0: Hello, my Rebels. Today, I go through the election night of the Conservative Party of Canada. I don't know if you saw it, but last night, Sheila gunn Reid and I had an eight-hour live stream. Don't worry, this podcast is a fraction of that. I'll distill down my greatest wisdom for you, and I'll play a few clips of, uh, from it, and I'll give you some interesting stats from how the vote went. Anyways, that's all I had, but first, let me invite you to become a Rebel News Plus subscriber. It's just 8 bucks a month, or 80 bucks if you buy the whole year in advance, so that's a bit of a discount. Just go to revelnews.com and click subscribe. Okay, here's the podcast. Tonight, Aaron O'Toole beats Peter McKay for the Tory leadership, and Leslyn Lewis has a strikingly strong finish. It's August 24th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail when you're the biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I was really worried that Peter McKay was going to win the Conservative Party's Leadership Contest last night. He had the biggest name recognition of the four candidates. He claimed to have the biggest budget. He had the most endorsements from party poobahs, including from MPs and senators. His friends wasn't great, but it was better than zero. I thought that McKay would simply buy his way to the front because the rules for the party make it possible to game the system. As in, you know, there are 338 different electoral districts in Canada. Used to be called ridings. So in the Tory leadership voting system, Every one of those districts has 100 points up for grabs. All right. Uh, but the number of points you get in any given district is proportionate to the votes you received in that district, okay? But here, here's the wrinkle. There are plenty of writings in Canada, like I'm going to pick one, Gaspésie, Les iles de la Madeleine. How's my French? That's in Quebec. Um, they have almost no Conservative Party members sir. In fact, last night, a grand total of... 33 people in that whole riding voted in the race. In Rosemont-le-Petit-Patrie, just 37 members voted. And in Bourassa, Quebec, I'm not even kidding, there were only 28 people in the Conservative Party there who voted. If you look at Bourassa, Derek Sloan actually got, I think, 10 out of those 33 votes or something. But since he was the first candidate eliminated, his votes were reapportioned to their second candidate and then again in the third round. So when it ended, the riding of Bourassa gave 65 points to Aaron O'Toole, and 34 points to Peter McKay. O'Toole earned 65 points, and he literally had only eight people vote in the first round, saying, Aaron's my guy. Eight people voting, 65 points. Now, swing to the other end of things, Alberta ridings. Calgary Signal Hill, 1,697 members voted. The amazing riding of Foothills, Alberta. 2,079 voters last night. So, Leslin Lewis got 566 vote there votes there but just 27 points in the first round so compare that to the 65 points that Aaron O'Toole got for what like eight votes in Barrassa I'm not sure if you're seeing my point but it's this if you're a conservative party member your vote depends on where you live it could count for almost the um, the equal of 50 other conservative party members Um, depending on where you live. If you're a conservative in Barassa, your vote counts 50 times more than if you're in Foothills-Albert. That's a wrinkle. You could call it a flaw or even a trick. It's how Andrew Scheer won last time, because he focused his energy on wooing those tiny membership Quebec ridings, which he won by promising the Quebec Dairy Cartel to do that he would do their bidding. So instead of wasting time trying to persuade a thousand people in foothills, he spent his time, you know, selling 10 memberships in Bourassa kind of thing. So I thought Peter McKay was doing with all his money, but he wasn't. He was just busy counting his victory before the battle was even fought. Here's our own Kian Bextie trying to ask him a basic question. He kept running away, and then he finally told Kean that running away wasn't actually running away, it was just what you do when you're winning so much he can't even believe him much' winning he was winning and that's what running away was it was winning you dismissed the anger in Alberta by calling Jason Kenny an angry man
1: will you apologize for that will you apologize for calling Jason Kenny an angry man I was on the phone and they didn't select me God you were so busy Get to the previously scheduled media. Peter McKay, you, you sort of
0: look like a coward right now.
2: Yeah, I don't
1: think so. <laughs> it's called winning. Excuse me. Yeah,
0: no, I think the big winner last night was obviously Aaron O'Toole. Leslyn Lewis was a huge winner coming in a strong third. In fact, there was a moment where Leslyn Lewis had the most votes of any of the candidates. But alas, they were in the wrong part of the country. Uh, so she was eliminated. If I recall, she actually won the province of Saskatchewan. Isn't that funny? A bit off narrative for the liberal media is a black woman, Jamaican-Canadian, lawyer, PhD from Toronto, winning the hearts and minds of the big farm province in the West. Only a CBC liberal would find that surprising. They project their own closed-mindedness on other people. If my research is right, CBC's flagship political show spent a grand total of one minute and 45 seconds talking about Leslie Lewis (laughs) during the entire race. They can't stop gushing about Kamala Harris, the Democratic VP nominee in a foreign country. Oh my God, they love her, but they won't say a peep about Leslie Lewis because she's a conservative, so they despise her. Rosemary Barton, the disgraced CBC TV host, actually filed a nuisance suit against the Conservative Party during the last election, you'll recall. So in some bizarre practical joke, she, of all the thousands of CBCers, was assigned to be the host of their coverage of the Conservative Party leadership last night. Seriously, as a neutral interviewer, not, okay, we're going to talk to Rosemary Barton, the plaintiff who filed the lawsuit. What do you think of this party you're suing? No, 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 she was the moderator. Anyways, in a rare moment of honesty, she confessed that she basically tried to hide Leslie Lewis from the public to pretend she didn't exist. She was trying to interfere with the news, not report the news to sort of establishment conservatives if, if there is such a thing, uh, who probably
2: didn't get enough uh, you know, media coverage as, as a candidate in spite of all those things um, and was not perceived as a uh managed to raise that much
1: money and gain this much support in the first ballot.
0: Yeah, it's so funny over there at the woke network. There was this moment last night where this ultra-feminist Rosemary Barton, who got ahead in life through affirmative action, she was so excited about... Uh, having three other women on her panel that she tweeted that. And oh, oh, the entire politically correct brigade just unloaded on her. You'd think they would praise her. No, no, no. They were pointing out obviously that yeah, they were all women. Okay, congratulations. Um, but they're all white women. How racist of her. See, that's the thing about the woke Olympics. You think you're a gold medalist? There's always someone woker. If you had four black women on the panel, well, okay, that's pretty pretty woke. Well Well, then a trans woman could come along and outwoke them. That's the thing with judging yourself and others based on irrelevant criteria like sex and race is it's never enough. Last night, Sheila and I did our show and and Bexley had some cameos in the show. And we had about 100,000 people tune in, according to YouTube. 100,000. Can you believe it? And unlike uh, the CBC, we didn't charge you $1.5 billion to do it. And we didn't do a racial analysis or a gender analysis of the people on our show. It's just me and Sheila and Kia. Um, by comparison, look at the like to dislike ratio on the CBC's uh, broadcast. Um, it was hated, partly because the CBC hates conservatives. So conservatives, who would have been most of the viewers, I just hate them back. But it's also because the CBC just refused to allow any viewer comments all night. They shut down the comment section. Isn't that odd? Same thing, even weirder, on the Conservative Party of Canada's own live stream of their own event. Why would you shut down comments? I don't get it. I don't get why why conservatives wouldn't want to let conservatives chat about the Conservative Party on a conservative website, unless maybe they don't actually want to hear from the grassroots either. So I thought McCabe was going to win the thing. I'm so glad he didn't. It would have alienated entire wings of the party, shrinking the party greatly, reducing its energy and passion, and all for the fool's errand of trying to win over liberal voters who are pretty much just fine with Trudeau, thank you very little. I like Derek Sloan. I interviewed him three or four times in the campaign. I thought he was a master of conservative policy. I hope he's given an important position in O'Toole's shadow cabinet. Andrew Scheer famously marginalized and blackballed his former leadership rivals, which is one of the reasons why the PPC party split off along, along with a lot of energy I hope O'Toole isn't bitter like Andrew Scheer was. I hope he doesn't make the same mistake. Lesley Lewis is not an MP yet. And I'm not sure if getting her into Parliament right away is the best use of her talents and energy and time, especially when Parliament is so reduced in scope and function. maybe she can find another position with the Conservatives to continue to expand the party, not shrink it. And of course she should run in the next election, but in a safe riding, I would think, not a long shot riding. She wouldn't want to run in Saskatchewan, probably not. Her life's in Toronto, but I bet she could win any riding in Saskatchewan, don't you think? Maybe Andrew Scheer should retire and step aside for her. He's already got a huge pension. Why wouldn't he? What's left for him to do? And as to O'Toole himself, well, we'll see quickly enough. Remember, he was the thin-skinned complainer of the candidates who claimed to the party's secret committee to get his rival, Jim Carahelios, kicked out of the race. That's not really a conservative move. It's not really a free speech move. It's more a cancel culture move. Uh, O'Toole's campaign chairman, Wally Solomon, likes to sue people who criticize him. I'm not sure how that squares with O'Toole's newfound belief in free speech. O'Toole himself avoided speaking with Rebel News for the longest time, until he just sort of gave up (laughs) running. He was not willing to descend to Peter McKay's level of hiding in the bathroom when Kean walked by. My point is hopefully this new conservative version of Aaron O'Toole is here to stay. And I say that because the aforementioned Walid Solomon was also the campaign chairman for sneaky Patrick Brown when he ran for the leadership of the provincial PCs out here. Brown promised the right that he was really a conservative, both fiscal and social, but as soon as he won, he abandoned both of those points of view and became a carbon tax loving liberal libertine as we all now know. I hope that's not Wally Salman's plan for Aaron O'Toole, to take the votes of conservatives, including the second choice votes of Leslie Lewis, just to win, but then tack back to the left after it's done. We'll see. I know what the CBC wants. They want a lapdog like Andrew Scheer was. They want someone who's afraid to buck the media party's narrative. They'll want someone who's just a Me Too repeater of the conventional wisdom on everything from immigration levels to global warming to the pandemic. Look, I'm gonna be hopeful for now. The party dodged a big bullet by not voting for Peter McKay, and Erin O'Toole is saying the right things. Here's an excerpt from his speech last night. The world still needs more
1: Canada. It just needs less Justin Trudeau. Why should I be that leader? Because I believe that whether you are black, white, brown, or from any race or creed, whether you are LGBT or straight, whether you are an indigenous Canadian, Or have joined the Canadian family three weeks ago or three generations ago. Whether you're doing well or barely getting by, whether you worship on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays or not at all, you are an important part of Canada and you have a home in the Conservative Party of Canada. Maybe you have voted for a different party your whole life or have never voted at all. Maybe you feel that as a union member, you should not vote for our party. Maybe you feel let down repeatedly by politicians. Maybe your family came to Canada for better, but you are still waiting for fair treatment. Maybe you run a small business and work all day only to be called a tax cheat by your own government. It is time for many Liberal and NDP voters to socially distance themselves from those out-of-touch parties. It is time for more Canadians to look at the Conservative Party again. If you want the opportunity to work hard to provide for your family, you should be voting Conservative. If you want to stop insiders from getting ahead while you are falling back, you should be voting Conservative. If you are proud of what we produce in this country, whether it's the resources in the ground or the ideas in our heads, you should be voting conservative. And if you believe deeply, like I do, that you need an ethical government and that we need to give the ethics commissioner a break, you should be voting conservative.
0: That's not bad. Good place to start. Look, he's not a rock star, okay? He was a Harper cabinet minister whose name you probably forgot. He came uh, in third in the race to replace Stephen Harper last time. He lost to uh, Scheer and Maxime Bernier. So he's the party's second, third, fourth, or fifth choice. All right, fine. Fine. It's not your first-round draft pick, but he's better than Trudeau. I would take the 10th-round draft pick if he's a conservative instead of Trudeau. Our job here at Rebel News remains the same. Tell the other side of the story. Tell the conservative side of the story. We'll call it like we see it. We'll be fair and we'll be hopeful. If O'Toole backslides, if he pulls a Patrick Brown, we'll be here to let you know. But for now, as flawed as he is, Aaron O'Toole is the best chance of beating Justin Trudeau in the next election. It is our job to make sure that if he gets there, he gets there as a conservative. Stay with us for more.
1: It doesn't matter what kind of conservative you are, our party needs all of you and we need you to go out and find more people who share our beliefs. Please stay involved, be bold, think, challenge the mainstream media, don't take their narrative as fact. Check out smart, independent, objective organizations that are growing all the time like the Post Millennial or True North. There are other places to get information. Let's stop being. The silent majority.
0: Well, there's a clip of Andrew Scheer, the outgoing party leader, giving a shout out to independent media, in particular our friends at Post Millennial and True North. I see a tiny bit of an omission there for Rebel News, but I can't blame the lad. We've certainly had our share of criticism of him over the years. Um, I just wish that he himself would have lived a little bit more by that creed. I found that he was far too deferential to the media party and to the CBC in particular, even after. Shockingly, in the last election, the CBC literally sued the Conservative Party, and no one less than Rosemary Barton, their chief political reporter, was a named plaintiff. How do you even talk to that reporter again after she sued you? Are you not worried it'll be used in evidence? I wish that Andrew Scheer's sudden love for independent media had been a staple of his strategy the whole time. Maybe he would be... The prime minister's now instead of just another backbencher. Well, one guy who caught the move and the mood squarely and who, in fact, gives credit to independent media for Aaron O'Toole's success last night is our friend Spencer Fernando, an independent columnist and commentator from Winnipeg, Manitoba. You can see all his stuff at spencerfernando.com. He joins us now Vice Cap. Great to see you again. Did you stay up last night as late as I did? to get their last results, or did you just call it quits at around midnight?
2: No, no, I stayed up. uh, Wrote about it uh, when the final results came in. So yeah, a little bit of a delay. Uh, It was kind of funny to see constantly, oh, 15 minutes away, 15 minutes away. Oh, just wait another 15, oh, just another 15 minutes. But uh, the results finally did come in.
0: That's right. We were, were, I think, on the air for almost eight hours straight. Uh, We were doing our share of tap dancing to fill the time. Can I read the title of your essay? on it, because I think you nailed it. You can see this at spencerfernando.com. And by the way, if you're not a supporter of Spencer, may I encourage you to sign up? Uh, You'll get his stuff emailed to you directly, so you don't even have to remember to surf on over there. Here's what Spencer wrote. He said, Aaron O'Toole's big win and strong showing by by Lewis and Sloan shows conservatives decisively rejected the media elites and embraced (laughs) independence. media. I think you're right on that. You put some evidence in your essay. What are some examples of how O'Toole and Lewis and Sloan used independent media, whereas McKay really relied on the mainstream media?
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think you could kind of see the trend beginning uh, even before the race really got going when uh, the media really tried to push Jean Charest. You saw some articles in the establishment press, oh, Jean Charest really understands conservatives. And The response on social media was people were saying, like, what are you talking about? John Schrey's not really a conservative anymore in the way that most people in the party would see it. And so he dropped out. So that showed that the media already had a pretty bad grasp of what was going on. And then they started pushing Peter McHale. He was inevitable. He was the front runner the entire time. No one could beat him. Uh, He got endorsed by the Toronto Star. But if you look during the campaign, I mean, you saw Aaron O'Toole. Uh, He he reached out to independent media quite a lot. He would speak to uh, True North. Uh, I know Leslie Lewis and Derek Sloan did interviews uh, with you and with the rebel Um, and Peter McKay. I mean, he literally ran away from the rebel, right? I mean, he ran away from, uh, you know, people trying to talk to him. And then it was really interesting at the end. He tried to cast it as kind of a move that was, uh, I guess, out of respect to his opponent. But when you had all four candidates who were going to do the uh, independent press gallery uh, debate and then Leslie Lewis had to drop out of the last minute because of illness and then McKay dropped out, and he kind of said, like, oh, it's just, just out of respect to Les and Lewis, but I think a lot of people saw that as him kind of trying to torpedo the event, you know, whether that's fair or not. That's the perception a lot of people had. So he seemed like he really, he and his campaign, really kind of bet on the idea that independent media didn't mean anything. It didn't really have any influence, uh, and the traditional media was still where all the power was. And as as we saw last night, uh, that bet did not work out oh too well for him.
0: Yeah, I remember that night when the Independent Press Gallery, that's Candace Malcolm's Alternative Press Gallery, I think you're a member of it, Spencer, if I'm not mistaken, we are here too. It was sort of their coming out party. They, they really put a lot of effort and expense in this thing, and they were very proud that all four candidates were there. And Leslie Lewis, let's take her at a word, she said she had an earache or something. I'm not going to dispute it. But for Peter McKay to, you know, opportunistically say, oh, out of solidarity with her earache, we're not coming. And by the way, Leslie Lewis's campaign manager came down to the event to say, look, I wish we were here. I'm here. We don't want this fake solidarity from Peter McKay. I think it stunned a lot of people at how high-handed Peter McKay was. I think it, I think it hurt Candace Malcolm's feelings a little bit. I can't speak for her. And she would probably never admit it. But this was the great long, I. I shouldn't say that. She's strong. She doesn't care what Peter McKay says. But this was going to be the flagship of the Independent Press Gallery. And it was Peter McKay who tried to wreck it. Now it went on to be a great success. Andrew Lawton did a great job interviewing uh, Erin O'Toole and Derek Sloan. But what I think a lot of conservative grassroots took away from that is, Peter McKay looks down on unofficial things, grassroots things, populist things. He would never bail at the last minute on the CBC. He would never come up with such a cockamamie excuse for the Globe and Mail. But for merely the 50 journalists in the independent press gallery, including you and me, Spencer, oh, fine, he'll come up with some excuse you don't like it. Tough luck, I don't like you. And here's uh, here's why that's important, Spencer, because no one won this thing on the first ballot. So you've got to be friendly enough to the grassroots that they'll make you your number two or three choice. And I think it was high-handed moves like that that did him in when it came to that transferable vote.
2: Yeah, I agree. And what's interesting is, you know, Aaron O'Toole is not really a super right-wing person, but what he did was very smart. I think he realized that the Conservative Party, just like any large political party, uh, is a coalition of different interests. And so, you know, there was the time when uh, Derek Sloan talked about Theresa Tam and he saw some of the Conservative Ontario Caucus uh, wanted to kick him out. And according to reports uh, at the time, um, one of the only people in the Ontario Conservative Caucus actually advocating to keep uh, Sloan in, was Aaron O'Toole. Hmm. So whether that was principle or strategy, I mean, it was a smart move by him. Uh, he also, and by reaching out to independent media, I think he reached out to the conservative base uh, in a way that, you know, centrist candidates often don't. So, and it, it worked out well for him. I mean, if you look on the on the final ballot, uh, he got, I think, what was it? 60, something around 60, 70% of uh, Lesson Lewis's votes. I mean, McKay got almost nothing from Les Lewis's a support and much of her support was, of course hers and Sloan from the first ballot. so i mean mckay he he needed to get at least forty percent on the first ballot, didn't even get close, yeah, and he was just never never as strong as much of the media portrayed him.
0: yeah, I was worried because of course, he came across as so overconfident, and either a guy mm. is totally bluffing, which is possible, <laughs> or he knows something we don't know. I assumed it was the the latter. I assumed that he had so many organizers in small population ridings, as you know, that point system favors, yeah. like, say, the riding of Burassa, which has less than 50 voters, <laughs> compared to the riding of Foothills, Alberta, 2,000 voters. So I thought, okay, yeah. Peter McKay is strong in places where we don't even know about. And that's why he's acting so cocky. No, I think he was just believing his own spin, that he was, that this was his destiny. Um, I noticed that, Derek Sloan, who did well, but I mean, he he clearly was in fourth and Leslie Lewis was clearly in third. He gave a a big shout out before last night, thanking almost name by name every independent journalist he spoke with. I thought that was pretty classy. And mm-hmm. Leslie Lewis made a point of saying, I'll talk to anyone in this coalition. I think you're right. And even like, what's the harm in talking to different media? if If you're scared of a question, that's probably a problem you need to fix anyway, That's it's unrelated to the particular journalist. If you think Rebel News or Spencer Fernando are too tough, well, wait till you get a <laughs> load of Vladimir Putin or Donald Trump. Like, if you want to be prime yes. minister, dealing with independent conservative journalists is not your toughest problem in the world. I think it looked good on, on Derek Sloan, Leslie Lewis, and eventually Aaron O'Toole when he warmed up to us, too, to talk yeah. to us. I mean, wh- where's the harm? It shows that he means it when he's for free speech.
2: Yeah. And I think your point about McKay being overconfident, I think that's a good point because I think if you look at, let's let's imagine a world without independent media. So McKay would have seen, seemed very confident. Uh, the media would have said nice things about him, would have portrayed him as the front runner, and that would have demoralized everybody else. So that's I think that's often how candidates, establishment candidates win, is first the illusion is created that they're unbeatable. And then the illusion becomes reality, right? People just kind of give up and say, oh, well, they're getting all the endorsements. Uh, the media is, you know, really in the tank for them. Uh, there's no way to beat them. But with independent media, I think it becomes very different. Uh, people realize, okay, well that that narrative is one that exists, but it's not the only one. Uh, there's clearly a lot of people who disagree with it. There is an actual fight and a contest. So I think McKay was operating operating in a way that probably would have won even, you know, four or five years ago. Uh, but it's a very different world now. He has to actually. He had to. You know, explain his positions. He had to reach out to more people. He had to prove that he was the frontrunner, not just act like it. And uh, the whole house of cards really came falling down for him.
0: Yeah. You know, I was thinking about when you mentioned that there's a media narrative and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Um, I want to do some more poking around, but I think that the CBC political channel, CBC Power and Politics or whatever, I think they spent a grand total of a minute and 45 seconds on Leslie Lewis, the whole campaign. I could be wrong. Maybe I've missed something. I'm still poking around um, compared to their obsession with Kamala Harris, the vice presidential pick in a foreign country. So the CDC yeah. can't wait to give you an hour long backgrounder on Kamala Harris, but a minute and 45 seconds for Leslie Lewis. And I can't help but think if they were at least neutral and treated her properly, instead of trying to dismiss her as a as an anomaly, she might have even done better. I mean, I, I I don't think conservative voters look to the CBC on how to cast the ballot. But I think that uh, the media doesn't just measure reality, it tries to shape reality, and that's why they hate independents correcting them. Last word to you, Spencer.
2: Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think if you look at what's happening, it's the establishment media, they're getting angrier and angrier. Uh, because they're losing control of the narrative. I mean, they've got the narrative, oh, the conservatives are uh, an exclusionary party. Uh, they obviously they always call conservatives racist. Well, some of the most right-wing areas of the country in the most right-wing provinces voted for Leslie Lewis by the biggest numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't at all fit the media narrative. So often they just choose to ignore it. Oh, you know, that just didn't happen. Oh, we're just not really going to cover that. That wasn't really a thing. And then in the next election, they'll go back to the same lies that they always spread. So I think this is, you know, for people who are watching this and saying, you know, I'm tired of what the media is doing. Well, there is an alternative growing. Uh, It's it's you guys, myself, you know, all the other folks we've been talking about. And our power is growing. It is increasing and our influence is increasing. So I think people should keep supporting us.
0: Yeah, well, right on. Well, we're so thrilled with what you're doing in Winnipeg. I follow you. I know my father is a fan of yours. He forwards Mm -hmm. me your stuff. I get them. I get your stuff already, but my dad sends it to me to make sure. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Spencer, you keep up the great work out west, and we'll hoard, hold the fort out here. All right, take care. All right, there you have it, Spencer Fernando. And you should check out SpencerFernando.com. Stay with us more. <laughs> hey, welcome back to my Monologue Friday. Paul writes, the numbers don't add up why vaccinate everyone when 99.74 percent survive or never have symptoms that's like evacuating canada because of a house fire in winnipeg you know i look at the stats every day because they're endlessly interesting and it's not just here in canada i was looking at the stats in the uk there were no deaths in the entire united kingdom last year that's incredible. That, that, sorry last year yesterday that is a huge country over 60 million people No deaths. And they're in such a lockdown. And I'm looking at the stats in Victoria, Australia. You can find them very easily. Uh, A lot of jurisdictions are very easy to find stats. And it's just, I mean, I was in Vancouver Island a couple of weeks ago. There's no one in the hospital for the virus in the entire island. I think I told you that stat yesterday uh, when I was on the live stream at night. Um, The stats are out there. Uh, You can obfuscate, you can try and keep people afraid by wearing masks, but thank God the pandemic's over. Valerie writes, isn't the Amazon Journal part of Postmedia? Yes, absolutely they are. And I don't know what's going on in Postmedia. I mean, it's a large company, and so they have a lot of different decision makers and editors and reporters, but it can't help but be on the mind of everyone who works there that they get $140,000 each week from Justin Trudeau. So maybe don't really take a conservative point of view. Don't poke too hard at Trudeau. And I don't think they're even directed to be that way. I think that's just the narrative. So the narrative is, oh, masks good, Edmonton crisis. No, there's only, I think it was five and then six of them, five of them, four people in the ICU in all of Edmonton. It's just just over, folks, it's over. Marilyn writes, thank you for the truth. I have suspected media have falsely reported for three months now. I quit watching news and reading the newspapers. Time to open up the country without masks. You know, um, I was uh, talking to the missus about uh, a sports camp. And um, the first day of the sports camp, the, the coaches were very strict on their face masks, and the kids were strict. But of course, you don't really wear face masks when you're doing sports, so the kids had them off. And then by the end, the first day, the coaches had them off, and by the second day, they weren't really wearing them. And you know why? Because it's so ridiculous to wear masks when you're doing soccer camp or whatever. But second of all, the mums and dads who are really, really, really nervous and afraid, they're not sending their kids out. So why would you wear a mask, which is sort of ridiculous when you're playing soccer, when the paranoid kid's parents or the kid's paranoid parents is a better way to say it. They're not letting their kid out of the house anyways. So how about everyone just does what they're comfy with? If you're really scared, stay at your home. If you're not scared, go out. If you're sort of scared, wear a mask, fill your boots. I don't give you, wear a mask. Um, just don't force everybody to share your paranoia. Oh boy. Well, anyhow, how do you feel about Aaron O'Toole? Are you hopeful? Um, do you think he's going to pull a Patrick Brown? Do you think he's just going to muddle along? I want to be hopeful. I want to be optimistic. I'm sick of losing. Um, Andrew sheer snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. I hope Aaron O'Toole won't also. We'll find out in the weeks and months ahead, won't we? Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.